Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Leo Effects. Today I'm joined by a special guest, somebody that I haven't had on before uh, as, as far as this career scope, so that'll be kind of interesting to find out more about that and more about her in general. So please allow me to introduce Whitney Asher. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well myself. Very good day to do an interview, I'd say. I agree. <laughs> so let's kick this thing off right and say, you know, what what is it exactly that you do? What do you what would you call your career? Man, um I would say in simplest terms, I do music promotions. Um, but I do wear a lot of hats. So I'm a music publicist. I'm a digital marketing strategist. And I, in a lot of ways, I am an entrepreneur. I do own a company. So because of that, I, I wear pretty much any hat that is required on any given day. So it changes depending on what's going on that day. But <laughs> Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and this is because you have your own thing that you're working on. That's right. Yes. I own the marketing mixtape and we're a branding and promotions company that works mostly with musicians. Occasionally we'll get the brand, a brand will come by and they'll be like, I'm, I'm kind of a rock star too. Will you help me? And so we'll help brands. Um, but oftentimes it's really just musicians and music entities. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. What was it that made you decide to, you know, pursue this, like even start like, what made you decide to create the marketing mixtape? Yeah, so it was 100% passion. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 2014. So I was getting my master's degree. I have a master's in marketing and business strategy from the Brand Center. And when I was in school, we had to do an internship. So I interned in Nashville, Tennessee at Capitol Records. So I got to work behind the scenes. I got to see what record labels do all day. And I completely fell in love with it. Um, it just, it married my passion for music and my skill set in marketing. And when I got back from Nashville, Tennessee, um, I live in Virginia. So when I got home, I had kind of accidentally, I don't know, it, like my name started getting passed around in friend circles. So it was kind of, 
word of mouth completely. People were like, Whitney knows about business. You should talk to Whitney. And so <laughs> I just, it happened so organically. I had some very normal jobs for a few years and um, started this company just on the side. And it, it completely took over um, my whole career in 2018. So now it's my full-time gig. Nice. And, you know, that kind of word of mouth is, that's really a huge part of this kind of industry, especially, you know, with like the podcast industry as well. It's all about the word of mouth and and getting your name out there. So that's great that you had friends that were willing to do that for you. Yeah, it was so surprising. It was, I was always surprised. I'm like, I'll talk to them. Sure. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, a year later, I I started to realize, I'm like, I I think this is a thing. I should start charging people. (laughs) And so it, (laughs) it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. And because all of your friends were helping out like that, would you say that you had a lot of support going into this? Like people didn't think you were crazy? Yeah, I would say that definitely helped. Um, I was working, I made friends with some guys who started a music licensing company. And so we were working together for fun. Um, So that was one of the things. I don't know if you've heard of Soundstripe. It's a music catalog. And so it's kind of like Musicbed or Marmoset, um, but they license music out to video companies or pod, even podcasts for the background music. Oh, um, okay. So I was working with them, and their belief in me definitely helped, I would say. Cool. So, yeah, sounds like you had a, a fair amount of support, and, and that definitely helped out. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and do you have a genre of music that you prefer personally? Ooh, man. So as a company, we are nonspecific. Um, we accept bands of every genre and every stage of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to be really unbiased when people come by. Um, for me personally, I definitely geek out about pop electronic music. I'm really into like the upbeat, kind of happy um, electronic stuff. So when that stuff comes through, I get like a little extra giddy, but I, <laughs> I try not to let on. I try to be as neutral um, as possible to give everybody just kind of a fair, yeah. <laughs> a fair assessment of their, their marketing and their music. Well, it's completely understandable, but who doesn't like it? A, a nice pop electro song. Right? You know? No, it's true. <laughs> well, along those lines, actually, that works out perfect. Like what what do you look for in a new client? Mm. Let's see. Well, um, we do try to meet bands where they are. So we see bands of every kind. Um, I, I think the, the thing that I look for or maybe enjoy the most is when a band is completely lost. So oftentimes they're in the studio, they've recorded their record, they've got a single or an album and they just they just want people to listen. And so I often talk to bands at that point. Um, usually I look for bands that have a product already. So the music is done. Um, they just have no clue what marketing even is and what that means for them and what they have to do and what's not necessary. And so um, I would say uh, I typically look for confusion and I try to help kind of clear some of that up um, with simple marketing. Mm, okay. All right. That's, that's a fair answer. Yeah. And so is, has there, or how to word this, how do you know when a client doesn't fit what you want within the marketing mixtape? 
Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So I think one of the hardest encounters I've had with bands is when they don't have a budget. So that happens a lot. We'll get a band where they're like, I have a zero dollar budget, but I need support. And so we offer free resources. We do free soundboarding, which is like an email exchange, like a Q&A. But if we do the free Q&A exchanges, that is 100% hustle. So if they come to us and they're like, I have a zero dollar budget, I'm like, no problem. We have free resources. We can help you out. But if they're not willing to hustle and they don't have a budget, we can't help them. Um, so sometimes bands will come to me and they'll say, I don't have a budget, but I want you to do everything. And I'm like, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> I have other, you know, other bands that need attention too. So I, I will try to be generous with my time as much as I can, but I have definitely found there's a correlation between the hustle mentality and how far an artist can truly go when they're just starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hashtag hustle. For real. It's so necessary. <laughs> so necessary. So within the, let's say with a, a client that you do have under your label, I guess if that's proper terminology, um, do you... Wing, <laughs> maybe more under my wing. Under your like, wing. Okay, there you go. Do yes. you book them on shows or concerts or, you know, I don't know, conventions or anything? Like... Uh, Really good question. So we do for anything that requires um, what I would call curation. If there's like a curation component where a booking agency would have or like a booking agent would have to say yes to a show or a radio promoter perhaps would say yes to a song. Anytime there's something having to do with the audio quality, we don't act on behalf of the artist. Instead, we educate. So we're not management. We're more... I would call us like an educational sidekick. We call ourselves strategic sidekicks. Um, so we'll walk in the trenches with the artists, try to help them forge relationships. Um, but for anything like booking shows, we only do education. So we'll educate an artist on how to book shows, which we've done, on how to plan a tour, which we've done, and then um, just kind of how to promote that. So that that falls into the education category. We have project uh, opportunities with bands, but booking isn't, it doesn't fall into that c category. And that actually is because we tried it and it didn't suit our model. So as a marketing agency, we've had to kind of reel it in a couple times and say, okay, what, what are we, what are, what are we not? And what do we, where do we kind of fit into the music industry? Because there are so many different components that are necessary and they vary widely. Um, but yeah, so we don't we don't do booking um, specifically. We don't, but we do have friends who do. Okay, cool. Yeah. And do you seek out the talent, or do they come to you now? They usually come to us. So a lot of our bands that we meet come directly from producers. So producers mm -hmm. all over the world. We have relationships with different producers, and so they're the ones who are really on the front lines. They're the ones who see the struggle up close when the artist has this product and has no clue what to do. Um, so a lot of times the bands come to us and it's through our studio partners. Okay, cool. And who do you represent currently? Ooh, um, let me think. So one of our biggest projects right now has been with a band in Virginia called The Silent Boys. And so we've been working with them to release their full album, um, which comes out in May, so May 15th. And 
that's one. We're working with an R&B artist in D.C. called Vinny Boy, and he is releasing singles all year. So we're helping him with promotions and guidance on what to do next, what to do now. Um, we've been working with an artist named Jamie Jean. She is an electronic pop artist. So I struggle to contain my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I was like not subtle at all. I was like, I love this music. Um, but we're working with her. So she just had her debut single come out actually last Friday. So we've been helping her pedal it. Um, we have a CCM rock artist named Jody Essex. And she's got singles coming out leading up to her album release in May. Um, and then we do just, I would I would call it random. We do coaching, I would call it sporadic coaching um, with different bands. So we recently worked with an artist, Acoustic Folk, um, on how to book. So he came to us and he, he asked, how do we, how do I kick it up a notch with my booking strategy? So we did a sidekick session and taught him how to book. Of course, that was before the show situation changed. That was a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was about a month ago. And now we're not we're not booking shows. We're doing a lot of live streaming. Um, but we're doing that. And then I also sit on the board for Kid Pan Alley. So I've been working a ton with them. Um, and they do songwriting uh, with children. So in uh, elementary schools, they will essentially go in and do these songwriting residencies where all the kids come together and write a song together. And so I sit on the board doing um, marketing and promotion. So I've been helping them out too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but it's, it's fun. It doesn't really, I don't feel stressed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. That means that you wear all those hats very comfortably. Yeah, I think so. I don't feel stressed today. Maybe I should add that today. Okay, okay there we go. Not and as stressful, but I have my days. <laughs> as a publicist, what do you find to be your hardest obstacle? Mm. Um, the hardest thing for me is the fact that as a publicist, I cannot guarantee placement. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to so badly. I want everybody who wants to get in Rolling Stone to get in Rolling Stone. I want to give them what they want, but at the end of the day, I know that that's really not how it works. And um, one of the hardest things is when I have to explain to an artist uh, what national publications are looking for, and if I don't think it's a good time for them to pitch national, if I don't think a national campaign is a good idea, um, having to explain that is probably the hardest part um, and having to be honest with them and with myself about if I really think they're in a place where they need that. Um, mm. I think that's definitely the hardest part. Okay. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what kind of um, promotions and shows and things like that to kind of point people to? Um, so when we're doing a campaign in terms of like the press release or, mm -hmm. um, so in, ter in terms of what makes a good story for press, I have found an imminent deadline is almost completely necessary. So an event, a release date, um, if you go to a journalist and you just say, Hey, I have this thing in kind of like a loose way, if there's not an imminent deadline, there's no sense of urgency. So I found with an artist, if they come to me and they're like, yeah, I just want press, I try to be um, strategic about what we're actually promoting and what the story is. And then going beyond the fact that it's a release, trying to get to the emotional part of that. I think a lot of times artists are like, yeah, this is a song that I wrote and it's my best song and it's new and they, they don't go deeper. And 
I think what people really want when they're reading articles or they're discovering new artists is just to feel this connection. And that's going to come from the, the artist being vulnerable and opening up a little bit about what the song's about and um, how it's personal to them. So yeah, I would say an imminent date of some kind and then just a much more emotional component to the story that is beyond the release itself. Hmm. All right. And have you ever had a situation where an artist comes to you and says, hey, I just did this single, like I'm so happy, and you listen to it and you're like, oh, no, that's not... <laughs> Well, um, it's a great question and it's so real. I would say I've heard so many things. Um, I've worked with truly hundreds of bands at this point. I've worked with over 200 bands. Um, I've heard a lot. And one of the things that I've learned is that art is arbitrary. That is, (laughs) (laughs) there is an audience for everything. You can, we can uh, talk about that at length, but I would argue there's an audience for everything. If I don't think the song is at a certain quality point, um, what I will often do is just recommend coaching. So if I feel like it's not something I should be putting out under my personal name or um, just kind of like leveraging my relationships, if, if I have any doubts, I will often just recommend education. So education to me is honestly the solution for so many things. Mm-hmm. I think an artist is empowered, not just an artist, but anybody, the more we're empowered and the more we know, I think, um, the more success we can have in the long run. Cause we're not at that point, we're not completely dependent on other people. So I don't know. I usually flip the switch at that point and I'll be like, yeah, like, why don't we do a coaching session? <laughs> I think that would be a really good fit. Um, for where you are right now. But again, like I said, I, I try to be diplomatic about it. Um, <laughs> when that happens, you know, just it's it can be very emotional and personal. Yeah. You know. I was, was going to say, that's a very political answer of you. <laughs> <laughs> I try really hard. I mean, it's the music industry is so personal because unlike any other brand, this is something that I've realized when you're selling like a product or a service and it's not totally personal i think there's like this objectivity that can help you feel professional but when you're promoting like a song about your dad and like your childhood like it's completely personal and so when you're working with an artist um and they're writing these like really personal songs i i think it's really important to just be kind of um sensitive a little bit to their feelings and uh delivery (laughs) where where possible so yeah and Where did where did the name, the marketing mixtape, come from? Yeah. So, I mean, in short, I made it up. But when I started the company, the original name for the marketing mixtape was actually Soundwave Strategy. So I studied strategy in college. I got my degree in strategy for advertising. But what I started to realize after I, like, started to build the company website and, like, promote some things was that the word strategy really wasn't common in the music industry like people don't think yeah I need like music strategy they call it music promo or like music marketing and so I changed the name actually it started with Soundwave strategy and then I started to to kind of observe what people were saying when they needed something so they called it marketing Um, even though to me it was advertising strategy to them it was marketing and because I wanted to help them I I wanted it to make sense to them and then I 
I just happen to love alliteration. And so um, I was thinking about kitschy music terms and that's how mixtape kind of came into the picture, but it's kind of taken on a new meaning, I think, with time. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, thank you. I like it. Why, so this is kind of, let's say I've got a band or I'm a singer or an artist, and why would I need a publicist? Yeah, so one of the things that people come to us for is connections. So for them, it, it really can be challenging to forge relationships with total strangers and it can be intimidating. So if you have a new song out and you want uh, features on it or you want press on it, it can be really like intimidating to email somebody and ask them to feature you. It can feel for a lot of artists, it feels like shameless self-promotion where you're like, Hey, I'm awesome. Will you cover me? Um, so for a lot of artists, I think they feel like their legitimacy is kind of, in question if they're not represented by somebody. I think that's one of the biggest things. A lot of artists also like don't enjoy emails, um, don't like emailing people, don't like uh, everything that goes into a PR campaign. So like writing a press release, um, a lot of artists really don't like writing about themselves. <laughs> and so they'll come to us and just kind of, they're seeking that credibility, the validation and also just the pre-established relationships um, with journalists and publications that we already have kind of established. Hmm. Okay. All right. And how does someone even start a career as a music publicist? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, having done it now for almost 10 years, I feel like anybody could do this. Um, it's like, I feel like I could do this in my sleep too. I do it so frequently. <laughs> It's just every day. Um, I think if you really wanted to get into PR and do it kind of regularly, I would say the best way to get into it is to start with research and education. Um, Read about it. What are some of the best practices? What does it even mean? Um, But I think sometimes the best way to get into it is to try it out and see if you even like it. So um, I, I think when I was starting my company, I had a lot of self-doubt. I think this is very common. Um, The phrase imposter syndrome, have you heard of this? I have not, no. You haven't. So imposter syndrome is just this notion that when you're starting something new, you feel like an imposter. You're like, I'm a fraud. People are going to find me out. They're going to realize that I don't know everything and that I don't have all the answers. And so that's very common. Um, I've read about it a lot, Hmm. but it's very common for entrepreneurs. It's also very common for musicians who are also entrepreneurs, um, whether or not they realize it. And so long-winded, but when I started the company and I wasn't totally feeling sure about myself, I did case studies. So I basically went to some bands and I was like, hey, let me help you for free. And then that took the pressure off. So if it didn't go well, I mean, what are they going to (laughs) do? They didn't didn't lose anything. Like it's 100% free. Um, But if it did go well, then I had case studies that I could use when I started to charge for things. And so I started out with two case studies and they did go well. And so I was able to kind of build on that. But I would say if you're starting out, like learn about it, get as much info as you can, and then just try it out on people. Um, Very few people will turn down the opportunity to get free PR if you offer it to them. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, free PR is sometimes the best PR. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. <laughs> is there a particular band or artist or something of that sort that you would really like to work with? Yeah, um, there are a couple of artists that I just admire so much. Um, there are a couple in Nashville where I love their music and would find it so like fun to promote them. Um, they're these indie electronic pop artists in Nashville, but two of the, the ones that I really admire are um, Savannah Ellis, or her name is Savannah Locke now, and then another one is named Trella, and I think she's based in Nashville, but I'm not sure. Um, and then just kind of like anybody in that vein would just be fun. Um, I love like indie kind of rising artists, but I have, you know, naturally I have like bands that I love that are bigger. So mm. loud is my favorite. Um, he's my favorite electronic pop artist. He's really great. And then um, Muna is another one. So, yeah, I mean, anybody in that category, like I said, it's like not subtle. <laughs> like if somebody just pretty much anyone in that genre, because um, I know when, when I'm jamming out to the music, it makes the whole thing just it just changes it a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. And since music is such a huge part of your life and it's it's your career, do you have any other hobbies that you do to kind of offset that balance? Yeah, it's funny you ask. I like I was telling my husband a few weeks ago. I was like, you know, I really need some like other hobbies. Like I need some other things. Um, I am a runner, so running is something that I do often. It helps me clear my head. It helps me brainstorm. Um, the thing I thought about immediately is is so random, but I'm growing a cucumber right now. Um, trying to get into gardening, and so I'm trying to get into that. Um, that's kind of like a low low commitment hobby that I have is gardening. <laughs> so starting with this cucumber, it's going really well. Um, in case you're wondering, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah, I, I figured. So it's thriving. Um, I often, I would consider travel kind of a hobby, but right now we're not doing so much traveling. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Oftentimes, just traveling, hiking. Um, I love the mountains. I love nature. I think because I'm on the internet so much for work, um, anytime I cannot be on the internet is a really great thing for me. So, yeah, hiking, um, just anything outside. Yeah, just getting unplugged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have a, any kind of like favorite food or restaurant or snack that you like to frequent? Ooh, um, yeah. I do. So my husband really got me into Indian food. I like never thought I would be into that. Really like Indian food. Greek food is great. Um, really like Greek food. Uh, baba ganoush, super random, but it might be my favorite food. Uh, <laughs> and that's like this, I don't even really know where it falls. I think it's Lebanese. I know we get it at this Lebanese restaurant nearby. So I really like exotic foods. Um, just any anything that's kind of a little bit outside of the norm. Okay. And do you have like a catchphrase or a saying that you say all the time, even maybe sometimes not even realizing that you do it until people point it out? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Um, I do. I have some for the marketing mixtape that I say a lot. So I call them my broken record phrases. These are the things that I say to bands when they're freaking out. Um, one of them is... 
you're not accountable until you announce. I say this a lot because a lot of times they don't feel ready for the release. So I'm like, just don't tell anyone it's coming and you can push back the date. Um, I say that a lot. Uh, the best strategy is the one that works. I say that a lot <laughs> because I think a lot of times bands think there's like one solution uh, or really people. I think sometimes we think there's one way to do something and there are actually a lot of different ways. So I always encourage people to try different things until you get the results that you're trying to get um, strategically, of course, but the best strategy is the one that works. Um, yeah, there are like six phrases, but those are the two that I definitely frequent the most. <laughs> I like it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out? Mm, man, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is don't overthink it. So I think it's very easy when you're in the music industry or really any industry to wait until the perfect moment or until you're good enough or the best to start um, or start putting stuff out there. And I think what I've come to find both in my own business and also working with a ton of different musicians is that the ones that seem to go the furthest and the longest often um, start before they're ready and they don't overthink it. So they get these inspirational whims and they follow them. And a lot of times that will lead you to something that you didn't even expect that's better than what you wanted. Um, so I would say don't overthink it is probably the advice that I would give somebody new. That is some fantastic advice. I really like that. Just cool. don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah. And I have to tell myself this all the time too. I'm a perfectionist, so it's easier, <laughs> easier said than done, but I have way more fun when I don't overthink it. Oh, yeah. It's always easier to give advice than take it ourselves. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to take this last few moments here. Um, would you like to tell people your different social medias? The listeners can go and check it out and, and follow along. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to follow us, um, I am probably the most active on Instagram as a brand. So posting content all the time on Instagram. And it's just the marketing mixtape. So T-H-E. M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G-M-I-X-T-A-P-E. I did look at it while I was spelling it to make sure that I spelled it right. So it's <laughs> mixtape. Um, and then we're also on Twitter. So if you search The Marketing Mixtape, it should come up. Um, we have a website, themarketingmixtape.com. And we also are starting a YouTube channel. So we're going to be putting out video content regularly. Um, so those will start to be a lot more frequent soon. So we're kind of in the works on that. Um, but the marketing mixtape website has everything. So if you just go to the marketing um, you can see what we're all about, what we're up to, all that good stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much, Whitney, for coming on the show today and telling me about what it is to be a music publicist and about the marketing mixtape and even just telling me a little more about yourself. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I had a blast talking with you today. Me too. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was good times. And I <laughs> hope all the listeners enjoyed it as well that tuned in to check it out. And don't forget to go to Whitney's social medias, the marketing mixtape and all that. Click the bells and the likes and the whistles and all that good stuff. Follow along. She's got lots of good stuff, lots of good content. So check it out. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Oh. <laughs> Now that was an awesome interview. 
Thanks so much for listening. You all are so great. And don't forget to head to Facebook, Insta, and Twitter and follow The Leo Effects. If you want to hear some comedy and ridiculous voices, check out Shattered Dungeons on YouTube and all other places podcasts can be heard. And you'll hear me voicing crazy characters, usually pretty terribly. So thank you so much. You all are the absolute best. And we will see you all on the next episode.